Well, good evening or good afternoon or good morning, uh, wherever you are viewing this, whenever you're viewing this, we're in that odd hybrid time of we have a, a crowd of folks here in the Brian Doyle Auditorium at the University of Portland. And I know that there's people uh, watching it out there live now and that there will be people watching it tomorrow and Friday and into the future. So welcome to all of you and all of you here uh, in person. My name is Karen Eifler and I serve as the director of the Garavanna Center here at the University of Portland. Really happy to welcome you here uh, to this talk tonight. One little bit of logistical stuff, especially germane to students who are hoping to take some notes about this. Um, I've had several questions about whether the recording of this will be available. Yes, yes, it will. It'll be on the Garabena Center website, probably by Monday. We'll need to get it professionally captioned and topped and tailed, a little bit of editing, and it'll be on our website probably by Monday, and it'll be, that's on the internet, so it means it's going to live forever. If you are a student who is here here in 3D as part of a course. Uh, we will have sign-up sheets available for you after Dr. Pembleton's talk and our terrific student worker, Ella, will guide you to that to make sure that your professors know uh, that you came here tonight. Uh, the last bit of logistics uh, for those of you who are watching live and might have a question, uh, we will not be monitoring the chat throughout the talk tonight, but you are welcome to uh, put your questions using the Q&A function, and I'll monitor those uh, after Dr. Pembleton's done with her talk, so we'll make sure that you get those questions posed, all right? So again, welcome and thank you for being here. 2D, 3D, however you're here, 4D, if that's, if that's how you're there, all right? One of the key aspirations of the Garavanna Center for Catholic Intellectual Life in American Culture is to help every single department and individual at UP, even those who are surprised at this, this news, understand that they bring an important dimension of God to all of us in the work that they do. They're helping us understand the universe better, and that is the work of a university. We've been looking for a way to bring the business school to the table for a while, and also we're wondering what we might be able to offer in this International Month of the Woman, and um, we're really delighted when the answer to both questions appeared in the form of tonight's speaker. It, for those of you who know anything about how colleges and universities are organized, it might sound odd to have a professor of global business leadership also be the director of Asian studies, but that's exactly what Dr. Deborah Pembleton is at uh, St. John's University College of St. Benedict in Minnesota. And that all followed her successful career in corporate America, uh, working at IBM and the 3M company. Even odder than that combination might be to have a humble Franciscan nun, Thea Bowman, play such a prominent role in that global marketing strategist and professor's life, which is also the case. Odder still is that laughter and joy radiate off of both of these strong women, which they do, and which makes tonight's event part of the Beckman Humor Project, honoring John Beckman's um, request that we be vigilant in shining a light on any way that humor gets used as a gentle sideways weapon against the forces of darkness. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Deborah Pembleton to the University of Portland as she explores with us 
what the worlds of global business communication and leadership have to learn from the lived example of a humble Black Franciscan sister from Canton, Mississippi, servant of God, Sister Thea Bowman, Dr. Deborah Pembleton. Thank you, Karen. And thank you to the University of Portland and the Garaventa Center for this opportunity to share this legacy of Sister Thea Bowman. This presentation is a combination of my interest and research in cultural competence, my work in, in global businesses and teaching in the Global Business Leadership Department, and of course, my love and admiration of Sister Thea Bowman. In our short time, I will only be able to address small snippets of the remarkable impact that this beautiful and brilliant servant of God has had on the Catholic Church uh, and um, liturgical music, education, and religion throughout the world. My intent today is to demonstrate how in her short life of 52 years, she made an impact globally and to demonstrate how her message is applicable in international organizations and in our everyday lives. Therefore, if the people you are selling to or buying from or working with or supporting or managing are from a different cultural background than yours, than yours, then Sister Thea's message and her legacy may be applicable and may refer to you as well. I will provide a brief synopsis of Sister Thea's life so that you are familiar with the servant of God and where she is from, how she came to be, and the global impact that she has had and continues to have. So to begin at the risk of a not so positive critique of my office, I'd like to share the images that greet me daily when I enter my office. First, for the past 11 years, at eye level, I am welcomed by the book, Sister Thea, Songs of My People. Next to that, the book, This Little Light, Lessons in Living, from Sister Thea Bowman, written and illustrated by Mickey McGrath, who has created lovely artwork depicting Sister Thea's life over the years. Below that, manuals from my career in industry, on other shelves, there are numerous travel books and decor from my travels in India, China, Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, just to name a few countries. Of course, like any academic, I have my vast collection of textbooks and books for research. And lastly, two carvings from Ghana, each carved from one piece of wood symbolizing togetherness. This, surrounds, this surrounding gives me a sense of being at home no matter where, where I travel around the world. Sometimes I can just imagine hearing Sister Thea Bowman greeting me as I enter and asking me how my parents are doing and how and what I've been doing. You see, in full disclosure, Sister Thea and I are from the same hometown of Canton, Mississippi. We belong to Holy Child Jesus Church. We went to... Um, the Holy Child Jesus School, but of course she, she attended many years before I did. When Sister Thea would return home to do her student teaching, she would come back and teach a music class. So we were thrilled when she would return home from what seemed to us as children, 
to be from a place a million miles away. And after I graduated from college, our paths would cross from time to time after she had moved back to Mississippi. So Sister Thea kept tabs on many people within our small community in Canton, Mississippi. Sister Thea was born in 1937 and attended Holy Child Jesus School in Canton, Mississippi. And at the age of 14, she decided that she wanted to become a nun. Her family was not very supportive of that decision, so she went on a hunger strike until they gave in. She was fiercely committed to her beliefs at a very young age. She moved to La Crosse, Wisconsin, joined the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration, and attended Viterbo College, where she graduated magna cum laude. I'm providing this brief history uh, to give you a historical context to offer a better understanding of what shaped her being. After a decade of teaching, she entered graduate school at the Catholic University of America in Washington, DC, where she received an MA in English in 1969 and her PhD in English language literature and linguistics in 1972. She returned to Jackson in 1978 to care for her parents. And she then became the director of the Office of Intercultural Awareness for the Diocese, for the Diocese of Jackson, Mississippi. As director for Inter Intercultural Awareness in Jackson, Thea endeavored to unite people of different backgrounds to achieve a common vision of mutual understanding, respect, and acceptance. She was a woman ahead of her time. To apply more recent terms, she was the chief diversity officer, the vice president of inclusion, diversity, and engagement, the director of diversity, inclusion, and belonging all rolled into one. She was the only African-American member of the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration, the first African-American religious sister from, from Canton, Mississippi, the first to head the Office of Intercultural Awareness, and the first African-American woman to address the US Conference of Catholic Bishops. Mm -hmm. In 1980, she helped found the Institute for Black Catholic Studies at Xavier University in New Orleans. Then in 1987, after gaining a tremendous following, she was interviewed by Mike Wallace of 60 Minutes. In 1989, she spoke to the annual meeting of the American bishops at Seton Hall University, and Sister Thea went to heaven on the 30th of March in 1990. Now, a cause for canonization has been open for Sister Thea Bowman. In mid-2018, she was officially designated as a servant of God, the first of four steps toward possible sainthood. Today, across the United States, there are Thea Bowman schools and buildings named in her honor, an education foundation to assist needy students to attend Catholic universities, housing units for the poor and the elderly, a health clinic for the marginalized are named in her honor. Books, articles, catechetical resources, visual media productions, and, and a stage play have been written. Prayer cards, works of art, statues, and stained glass windows. 
There's currently a documentary currently in, in production depending, depicting her life story. And many of the actors are from Canton, Mississippi. All of these works bear her image, all attesting to Sister Thea's profound spiritual impact and example of holiness for the faithful. What does this have to do with global leadership? My intent is to demonstrate how Sister Thea's life reflects the concepts of global leadership and the dynamic ongoing lifelong process of developing cultural competence. Let's turn to the, to the definition of global leadership. The construct of global leadership is defined as the process of influencing thinking, attitudes and behaviors of a global community to work together synergistically toward a common vision and common goal. Thinking, attitudes and behavior to work together synergistically. Now, there are many definitions for cultural competence. The one I have chosen states that cultural competence is the effectiveness in drawing upon a set of knowledge, skills, and personal attributes in order to work successfully with people from different cultural backgrounds at home or abroad. Knowledge, skills, and personal attributes, different cultural attributes at home or abroad. So Sophia uses the richness of African-American culture and spirituality to convey most especially the history, stories, songs, prayers, customs, and traditions that comprise a culture. To quote Sister Thea, what does it mean to be black and Catholic? It means that I bring myself, my black self, all that I am, all that I have, all that I hope to become. I bring my whole history, my traditions, my experience, my culture, my African-American song and dance and gesture and movement and teaching and preaching and healing and responsibility as a gift to the church. There is no doubt that Sister Thea's life exudes global leadership and cultural competence. Switching to organizational applications, in Minnesota, we have a number of international businesses and nonprofit organizations. You can see many of them listed here. In order for individuals to become culturally competent global leaders, it is necessary that they embrace what is commonly referred to as the iceberg concept of culture. Now, 90% of culture is below the surface of the iceberg. It is unseen. The deeper you go into understanding a culture, the more emotionally intense it can become for the individual. On the surface, when you are discovering another culture's food, their visual arts, their language, their celebrations, you can see these aspects of culture. The emotional commitment is low. As you go deeper into the iceberg, in the shallow culture, Rules are unspoken and the emotional level can be high. Conversational patterns will differ from your own. Someone may have a different accent or use a different phrase or expression that you may not understand. The body language and nonverbal communication may also be different from what you're accustomed to. One of the conversational patterns that Sister Thea uses is what is referred today as 
AAVE, African American Vernacular English, years ago referred to as Ebonics. She uses it to emphasize important points. As you listen to these first clips of Sister Thea, remember that she is a Southerner, an African American woman, of course, and Dr. Thea Bowman with a doctorate from Catholic University of America. Let's look at a couple of examples of how she does this. These clips are taken from the Mike Wallace 60 Minutes interview in 1987. And some of us Catholics, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but some of us Catholics are scared of women. She spends only about a third of her time at home in Canada. The rest of it, she's on the road, spreading the gospel in her special evangelical style. Can I just say amen? On this Sunday afternoon, she was at the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., home of the traditional conservative hierarchy. Washington, D.C., he heard you So she's using her conversational pattern to drive people down that iceberg and to motivate them to make a difference. She is changing the thinking, the attitudes and behavior to encourage individuals to work together synergistically as defined by global leadership. In this next clip, she is speaking to an elementary, to elementary school students at Holy Child Jesus School. Jesus, she found more than literacy. She found her vocation. I'm so glad you're going to learn today. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much, Mr. Brandon. See you. Bye-bye. Witness her Southern dialect. Mm -hmm. That note of confirmation, that note of confidence in the student's abilities, that note that says, I believe in you. I know what you're doing is good for you, for the school, for the community, for your future development. I can feel you in your in my soul and your soul touches me. That is the depth of African-American culture that the mm-hmm represents. Mm -hmm. You experience it, you feel it. The second aspect of culture within her response is a respect for the teacher, Miss Green. There's no reference to her by first name. This aspect of African-American culture respect, reflects respect for the adult in the room. It demonstrates respect so that students in turn would show that same respect for the authority in the room. Since Canton is a small town, I, I knew Miss Green. We were probably around the same age at the time, and I have no idea what Miss Green's first name is. <laughs> How does this connect to global business, to global leadership and cultural competence? Understanding conversational patterns takes us to a deeper level of understanding another culture. And as for respect for authority, if an individual is working in what is referred to as a high-powered distance culture in Japan or in China or with someone from 
Brazil or China, for example, it may not be appropriate to address a manager by his or her first name. So the more that you learn about the nuances of another culture, the more successful you will be with the development of your own cultural agility. Now let's look at body language and how that contributes to understanding culture. From other teachers in the school. I want to give the best that I have. It's raggedy. Mm -hmm. And then she laughs with her whole body. They're doing fine, but they can do better. She laughingly chides the children and gives them a charge to do the best that they can. She communicates with her whole body. So you might say that you didn't tangle with Sister Thea. Mm -hmm. In this next slide, she is teaching priests and church leaders how to utilize body language to grab an audience. I try to get them to work with their bodies. Many of our priests in their training for preaching didn't do much body work. So techniques of relaxation, techniques of rhythm, techniques of communication and expression that come from the Black community. And just look around and focus, see how good they look. <laughs> Your yeah, buttocks. <laughs> you don't know how I can play, but I don't want to. You tell me something like that? Yeah. Oh. And see, I think one difference between me and some other people is that I'm content to do my little bit. Sometimes people think they have to do big things in order to make change, but if each one of us would light the candle, Again, we see how body language is important in understanding culture. How does this translate into global leadership and cultural competence? This is a frequently used slide that represents, represents cultural differences when simply meeting someone at the airport. Should one shake hands? Should one bow, kiss on the cheek? You're at a loss if you don't know. The book Kiss, Bow, or Shake Hands has been a well-used guide to provide international business um, uh, to proper international business protocol. It represents the importance of nonverbal communication, gestures, body language, in that, in that what works in one culture may not work in another. So then you get into the deep culture, which, not only, uh, which has not only unspoken but unconscious rules. When one enters, encounters differences in concepts around distinctions in age, race, sex, gender, class, occupation, and of course religion, the emotional level may become intense. Where does the joy come from? You don't know whether you're well or not so well. Pardon? Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Neither do you. <laughs> There's a possibility that cancer could affect your voice. No. Mm -hmm. What happens if it does? Because that's a lot of fear. If the voice goes, there are other ways of communication. And I just I just would hope that I would have the strength and the courage to find them. I'm accused of communicating with more than voice. <laughs> so her reference to other ways of communication can refer to this deeper unconscious level. Now let's look at this final clip from the 60 Minutes interview. Being black is hard because, and you ask your students to come up with reasons. People don't like us. People think that black is ugly. People think that blacks aren't lovely. People think that we are still slaves. How do you overcome that in paper after paper after paper? What you see here is a part of a process that asks, where are you right now? The next question is, where do you want to be? Being black is good because being black is to be proud of your color, to know about your black ancestors, to know where your black ancestors come from, to be beautiful. How can you tell a black youngster to be black is beautiful and make that youngster believe it? <laughs> you have to believe it. When I work with children, I will say to the kids, repeat after me, black is beautiful. Child on my wallet, repeat after me, black is beautiful. Black is beautiful. Then you take your finger and you point it at yourself and you say, I am beautiful. And some children have a hard time saying that. I've been watching this America for 40 some years and I never see one that looked exactly like me. When I say I am beautiful, what does that mean? It means I'm caring. It means I respect myself. It means I'm confident. It means I'm poised. They go through all that. I still live here. Like, you want to say black is beautiful? No, black is beautiful. Amen. Amen. <laughs> So moving down that iceberg, one has to determine where you are now and where you want to be in your process of becoming more culturally competent, more culturally agile. The development of cultural fluency is a lifelong process. To what extent do you and can you appreciate another culture? And in this case, for Mike Wallace, for Mike Wallace African-American culture by stating Black is beautiful. So in closing, the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration describe Sister Thea as gifted with a brilliant mind, beautiful voice, and a dynamic personality. Sister Thea's workshops were lively gatherings that combined singing, gospel preaching, prayer, and storytelling. Her programs were directed to break down racial and cultural barriers. She encouraged people to communicate with one another so they could understand other cultures and races. I'd like to think of Sister Thea as inspiring me or utilizing me to spread the word about the importance of togetherness, like the wood carvings in my office, the importance of respect and support for one another. Through her joyous laughter, she demonstrated that life is much more God-filled fun and entertaining if we can all accept one another as we are. It is certainly far less stressful. 
And when I do intercultural trainings, I like to have a great time. And I try to make sure that my attendees have a great time as well. Because breaking through a cultural iceberg is hard work. It's stressful. So finally, I encourage you to please do support the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. There's their website, fspa.org. And please do follow the Sister Thea Bowman Cause for Canonization. The website is simply sisterthiabowman.com. So thank you to Karen Eifler, uh, University of Portland Garaventa Center, uh, Darlene Schneewin for your wonderful patience in organizing. And as you go through your own prayerful lifelong journey of global leadership, cultural competency, and you think about the power and grace of Sister Thea, just remember, Black is beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs>Uh, for those of you watching on screen, I'm just a disembodied voice to the side because I want to keep the focus on Dr. Pembleton. We have time for some questions, both from our 3D audience. And if you would like to submit a question uh, from the online audience, I remind you to use the Q&A function um, while you're getting your heads around what you might like to ask. Uh, I have a question. I always have a question. Um, you tried to share with us a life thank you, and connect it to a lot of really big ideas. And I have to believe that there was some big ideas that might have gotten left on the cutting room floor as you were putting your talk together. What do you wish you'd had time or a chance to say to us that you didn't get a chance to? Well, um, there are only about 200 or so uh, things that <laughs> I would have loved to have included. Um, one of them being um, women empowerment and how she spoke, how she um, spoke truth to power um, as, as a woman from the, from the South um, to this internationally known um, news commentator. Um, just recently on our campus, we had a, a, a vice president from Best Buy Corporation come into our, uh, onto our campus speaking uh, about how to be more supportive of women in business, particularly underrepresented women and, and uh, women in the STEM fields. Um, just last week, I had a, uh, I was a part of an international conference of women in leadership. Um, and we had women uh, online virtually from uh, Pakistan to Hong Kong, um, to Thailand, um, to Germany, uh, all talking about how we can support one another uh, as, as, as leaders. Uh, and at the end of that, I extended an invitation to this international audience and I extended to this audience as well to join me if you'd like to work on a project on, on uh, women in leadership or um, cultural competence. Uh, I certainly welcome, welcome that. I'd love to collaborate with you. Um, the other thing I'd like to, to wanted to mention um, was a center that's named after uh, Sister Thea Bowman, the Sister Thea Bowman Ahana Center, which is located at Boston College. And um, I found out 
I've been following them for a long time and I was actually invited to their launching a few years ago through connections um, that I made through Collegium and, mm-hmm. and the Colloquy, thanks to uh, that uh, organization for bringing together Catholic institu- people from Catholic institutions uh, to discuss uh, Catholic social teaching. And uh, so that's a, that's a bond that I have maintained uh, over the years. And they are a wonderful representation of the, the many gifts that um, Sister Thea has, has, has left to the world in all of their projects that they do. I appreciate that. We don't have open questions um, online. Are there questions that you would like to pose? So it's like you're, you're working at a university uh, and sometimes working with young people can be also a different cultural divide uh, yeah. to, to step over. What are some of the lessons, uh, maybe particularly that you learned from Sister Thea that have kind of inspired you to try to continue to, to reach out to younger and younger people? I try to, as best as I, as I can, stay on top of some technology that they use. Instagram, I have to admit I'm addicted to TikTok, which is not a good thing necessarily. Uh, and I guess I should say Insta, not Instagram. And um, um, I try to interject humor into, in, into my lectures. Um, I ask students at the beginning of the semester what their favorite songs are, and I'll go through the lyrics sometimes and bring out a lyric that seems to be popular to interject that into, into uh, in my teaching um, at, un, un, at uh, uh, unexpected places. Um, so I, and, and I think it helps to keep me young, too, um, by incorporating some of the things that, that they do and that they listen to and that they follow. Does that answer your question? Yes. I don't have so much as a question. I have, well, first, Dr. Pimbleton, thank you for this talk. My and pleasure. As the other Black woman in the room, it's, it's really very touching to see our history and our community uh, shared in this way. And I myself don't personally identify as Catholic, but I am very religious and spiritual, and as a new member of the UP community, it's also nice to see a Catholic religious figure who I identify with and see how they have been able to bring their full self to the context of a Catholic, uh, or to the, the world of Catholicism overall. And a lot of what I see in the presentation that you shared is um, Sister Thea bringing in Black culture and oftentimes Black culture that you see in Baptist churches and other forms of Black churches into the, the space of Catholicism and the, the worship spaces of Catholicism. And so as I'm here at UP in this environment, I, I see that there's a different style of of celebrating and revering and learning from um, God or Jesus. Mm -hmm. And could you possibly share any insights, advice, or thoughts that you might have um, for an institution that I've been to mass a few times and there's no clapping, for example. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. there's very little 
sound made unless we're singing a song that's you know very scripted and so if you could just support me in this space and all of us in this space as we as we work to think about the different versions of Catholicism that our students are bringing into the space coming from different parts of the US, um, different ethnic backgrounds and how, okay, I'm, I'm going on and on and on, but in the way of being a, a global leader, UP is supporting students in their faith to be global leaders. Can you share any wisdom or thoughts or uh, bits from your own experience where, um, that can help us as we integrate more of a global way of celebrating Catholicism mm -hmm. into this space. Well, thank you. Thank you for your question. Uh, the first thing I will, will say uh, is to make sure that people understand that the Catholic Church is a global church. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think um, Pope Francis has been doing a wonderful job of, of promoting that fact um, and some of his encyclicals, and I hope I'm pronouncing these correctly, Fratelli Tutti and Laudato Si. Reading those encyclicals really reflects his mission to make sure that people throughout the world understand that it is a global church. Now, it can be influenced, I think, by local cultures in many ways, um, but there are ways to interject that global aspect into the church. For example, Sister Thea uh, has a hymnal, um, well, she has contributed to hymnals that have spirituals and, and, and gospel music uh, in them. Um, and so I think perhaps having a mass once a month um, that is a bit more spirit-filled is a possibility. Um, understanding that um, the mass that's held here in Portland, Oregon, um, may be different from the mass in Thailand, um, but it's the same Catholic Church. Um, so I, I was blessed to have been able to um, go to mass in different countries around the world, and they do reflect the local culture. And so it's important to, to, to know that. Um, quite frankly, in, in, in Minnesota, uh, my husband and I passed many churches to get to our Catholic church because it is rooted in African-American culture and not just African-American culture, uh, native culture, Ethiopian culture, Nigerian culture, and it, and it has many different aspects. So, so I think it's important to, consist, to continue to be persistent and that people understand that the church is a global church and, and where, whereas it may be influenced by the majority in a particular region, uh, having minority representation, I think, is very important, and it's important for having people uh, feel in, feel included. I think that you. answers your question, and thank yeah. you for coming. And um, Marina, it seems like you've opened the door for some really fruitful, generative, and occasionally thorny ongoing conversations. So thank you, thank you for that invitation. Um, couple and, and that I interject that, that that gets down into the, the, that intense part of the <laughs> iceberg. So yes, so take people there. Yeah. 
couple questions from the online audience. One, was Sister Thea accepted within her own religious community and in the Catholic institutions in which she studied and worked? I think there were various levels of uh, acceptance uh, within her own religious community. I mean, we are all human. We are all products of our uh, environment and our upbringing. Um, and, and I think that there were uh, various levels of, it, of acceptance even within her, her own community. And she just talks about that in, uh, in her uh, autobiography. I have a listing of references um, that, um, that I can make available to you. But she does refer to that. Um, if, if when she left Mississippi, people said to her, um, some people said that they, they won't like you. They won't like you. And I think initially some people uh, had a difficult time with her because she is and she was unapologetically herself. And she's responded by saying, I'll make them like me. <laughs> and I think uh, over time uh, that has stood to be the case. Okay. Someone is asking, where do you see Sister Thea's spirit expressed most strongly today? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, wow. I, I think there's so many different places uh, that, it, that it's hard to determine um, where she has made the, I mean, you mean geographically or, or liturgically or... Um, uh, you know, when it comes to music, um, the, I think she's made some some inroads in, in, in many different uh, areas. That that um, Sister Thea Bowman Ahana Center at Boston College, I think, is a phenomenal representation of of the impact that uh, that she has made. But um, as I mentioned at the beginning, there are are vast. Um, resources out there that are dedicated uh, to Sister Thea and, and education and housing. Um, so it's difficult for me to state where the maximum impact um, has been. Perhaps uh, I, I maybe in, in the in liturgical music, because that's that's everywhere. So if I were to not everywhere, but well, a lot of places. In yeah. many places, thank you for qualifying that. Yes. Great. Okay. Maybe one more question. You got it. Oh, go ahead, go for it, Lori. I don't know. Being the last question is a lot of responsibility. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not the last question. Uh, as someone who is relatively new to being introduced to the, uh, Sister Thea, is there a particular resource that you would recommend as the next stop on learning more of her story? Yes, uh, easy resource, SisterTheaBowman.com. <laughs> and that has uh, many details about her life um, and, and also uh, FSPA, the uh, Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration, uh, where she spent many years uh, as, a, as a sister. But SisterTheaBowman.com, I would say, would be your first go-to. And books that she has written that you recommend? Uh, she's quoted in, 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 in many books, but um, that resource will list the specific name of the book. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. I think I have a picture of it on, on one of the slides there. But We'll find it and we'll attach yeah, that reference <clears throat> when we load the video in our archives in the next few days. As well as my references. And, yeah, that's right. We keep the conversation going. Okay, so so that you didn't have the pressure of asking the last question, I'll ask the last question. 
how do you like her chances for becoming Saint Sister Thea Bowman? Well, you got toes and fingers crossed. So I'm praying every day and, uh, you know, I walk into my office and <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm praying and hoping. So uh, there, there, there are many people who are supporting that, that uh, effort. So, yeah. And we can unite with them in our prayers. Yes. And, and our, our, I love her emphasis on if I just light my candle, that makes a difference. And we would, if we, we could all light a candle yes. and not save the entire world, but light up our, our little, little corner. Piece. Yeah. Yes, and that's kind of a philosophy that I follow too. I'll just do my little piece. And um, I'm available if you want to reach out to me uh, at any time. Just I'm easy to find on email. You betcha. Okay. One of my favorite uh, quotes from Thea Bowman is We unite ourselves with Christ's redemptive work when we make peace when we reflect to our brothers and sisters, God's healing, God's forgiveness, God's unconditional love. And so from all of us at the University of Portland and the Garavena Center, we thank you, uh, Dr. Deborah Pembleton, for being part of that uniting with us uh, tonight you. and this afternoon. Uh, thanks to all of you. And join me in thanking Dr. Pembleton for her. And again, the video of tonight's talk will be posted on the Garaventa Center website, up.edu slash Garaventa. Uh, give us a few days. All right. Thank you. And good night. Good morning. Good afternoon. I believe there are still some treats in the back. And I know that uh, Darlene Schneewind hates for food to stay there. She always brings to-go boxes. So if you would like to feed yourself later, feed other people later, make sure that you take some fruit, Rice Krispie treats. And if you're a student here and you want your professors to know that you were here, look for the signups. Ella will guide you. Thanks again for coming out, everybody.